This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. As the Bears convene in Bourbon A for the start of training camp, Larry D convenes with you to bring the final preview episode of the offseason this time profiling our beloved Chicago Bears. How does the team shape up for this year, and is it enough to get to Super Sunday? All of this and so much more on the All Bears Preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. As the sun sets on the offseason, a new sun rises for the start of the 2014 NFL season. What's going on, everybody? Larry D back for the All Bears show, All Bear preview episode of the Chicago Bears review. Uh, tried to get this uh, show done yesterday on Thursday, but um, I actually had a, uh, a virus on my, uh, on my laptop that uh, was causing me all kinds of grief, and um, I went and got it taken care of earlier this week, and then um, when I went to record the show, I finally uh, noticed that um, whenever they cleaned out whatever they needed to clean out on my laptop, they also deleted my audio programs, which is the one, including the one that I used to record the show with. And uh, even more troublesome is when I tried to load it back on, for some reason the laptop was fighting me on it. Like, it just wouldn't let the... The program, uh, it, it let it be installed, but then it wouldn't let me open it up. So I had deleted it out all over again and tried again, and now it's working. So now we're up and running. So um, here we are. Not that you all needed to know that, but I just want to let you guys know why I wasn't able to uh, get the show out yesterday like I promised. But, um, you know, here we are. It's uh, Friday morning, and uh, the Bears have uh, started their first official practice. They all... Uh, convened in bourbon a yesterday uh talking to the media mostly to uh to get ready for the start of this uh highly anticipated season uh to see um just what uh what the 2014 bears are going to shake out to be you know this is year two uh under mark tressman uh year two under this offense that we had so much success with and also uh even more um I don't know, hesitantly, maybe you want to say it that way, year two under Mel Tucker and what the defense is uh, going to be after the amazing success we had in 2012 and the defense that we put on the field being one of the league's best in 2013, it was literally the complete opposite, one of the league's worst defenses and the worst ever in our franchise's history, which is saying a lot considering that we're a charter member of the league which means we've been in this one since day one and uh that was the worst team worst defense we've ever put out on the field and that's uh troubling but um 
Yeah, and the other thing is I just got done uh, watching here on NFL AM that um, they I, I, I changed the channel to, to walk in on them talking about the Bears, and uh, basically the, the sum of uh, defense was, well, it really can't get much worse than it was last year, which is true. So nowhere to go but up for the defense, and um, we will talk about uh, – what the defense did or, or what's been added to the defense, subtracted, and so on uh, in, in regard to what Phil Emery has done this offseason. Can his second overhaul slash makeover of uh, a particular unit on the field uh, be as successful as his overhaul of the offensive unit was last year? So uh, that remains to be seen. And as, you know, optimistic, fingers crossed, Bear fans – we're all hoping that it uh, it can be because, uh, you know, you've heard me say a million times, even if we had a mediocre defense last year, we, we could easily have won two, maybe three more of those games that we lost. And who knows how we do uh, in the postseason, you know, with uh, with that offense and a half decent defense, you know, interested to see how that would have all gone down. But that was then. This is now. The Bears are in Bourbonnais preparing uh, for this upcoming season. Two weeks from today, we kick off the preseason at home against the Philadelphia Eagles to where we finally get to see um, probably not much of the starters, but we get to see what this new team uh, looks like uh, up close and uh, personal. So we got lots to talk about. Um, Not going to do it the same way that I have been with all the other teams because we're trying to kind of get through them because we had 14 teams 13 teams 14 to uh talk about uh and and trying to to get it under uh you know under a decade because i can ramble sometimes but we got the whole show just for our one team so we're going to talk a little bit about some things um we're going to divide it up into two segments one offense one defense um and we're going to talk about you know additions subtractions and then we're going to have three burning questions for each side uh, of the ball and um you know we'll see how we go from there so starting off with the unit that surprised us all and uh you know set records with the franchise so let's kick things off uh with the show talking about our offense <laughs> So in 2013, heading into it, if we could rewind this thing back a year and uh, talk about the Bears uh, going into the season, it was, uh, well, the defense is going to be fine, uh, you know, because everybody's still here, and Mel Tucker's going to be using a lot of the same terminology that Lovey did. He's kind of catering to the players and, and such instead of implementing a brand-new system. It's the offense that I'm worried about because, you know, uh, Jay's been kind of inconsistent and you know the only person he was throwing the ball to is Brandon Marshall and blah 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 we didn't even use Matt Forte that much in 2012 and you know if we only had an offense we probably could have gone to the Super Bowl in 2012 now it's the other way around because after one year under Mark Tressman and in, in, in which the team was still learning the offense throughout most of the of the season we scored the most points in the league by a team not named Denver. Uh, I mean, 
if it wasn't for the record-setting year that Denver had, the Bears would have led the NFL. Led the NFL in points scored last year. Number two in the league in points scored. Number five in passing. Number eight overall because the, the rushing game was in the teens somewhere. But, uh, but still, I mean, Matt Forte, even, even saying that, Matt Forte, uh, a record uh, career high, 1,339 yards rushing last year, also caught 60-something balls, maybe 70 balls out of the backfield. I think they said he was only about 70 or so yards away from a 2,000-yard all-purpose season last year. Um, so he had a fantastic season. Brandon Marshall was brilliant as usual and the Martellus Bennett worked out just as we hoped he he would I mean he had a career year uh which is saying something because he had a career year that got him the deal uh in Chicago when he was with the Giants in 2012 uh another career year set set records for yards and and uh receptions uh last year at 65 catches from the tight end position which a couple years before would just seem unfathomable that we would even target the tight end 65 times let alone have him catch the ball that many times it's just crazy and then of course the big story in 2013 on the offensive side of the football Alshon Jeffrey in his uh, sophomore season lit up the world he set the franchise record for most yards in a single game twice last year uh, he set it first in uh, week number five against the Saints in a game where basically he was getting all of this attention because the Saints were f super focused on Brandon Marshall. I think Brandon only had maybe four or five catches in that game. Alshon had like 12 for 215. Uh, you know, it was just crazy, the game that he had. And then six, seven weeks later, week number 12 or so, down in Minnesota, that game, that, that heartbreaking game that we had, um, a much, much, much different vibe to the way that he set that, you know, that, that record that day. Um, it, it wasn't the same as it was against the Saints where you could, you could almost kind of blow off the accomplishment because the Saints went in there with the, the mentality that they were focusing on Brandon Marshall, they weren't going to let him beat him, and Alshon Jeffrey almost did. It was very different this time uh with minnesota it was he was actually taking these yards from the vikings instead of taking what the vikings were giving us because they were focused on brandon marshall a very different vibe to, to the way that marshall performed in that game not to mention the two touchdown catches that he had first the uh the catch and run for like 70 something yards uh in the game and then of course that that crazy circus catch that he made over two defenders and somehow managed to maintain body control, hang on to the ball, and stay in bounds for that crazy touchdown um, in that uh, heartbreaking loss uh, that the Bears had uh, to the Vikings in that one. And then, of course, um, you know, even with Alshon and Martellus and even Matt Forte and Brandon Marshall uh, maintaining their consistency, we did it with two quarterbacks, not just one, Jay Cutler, Unfortunately, missed five or six games last year with uh, groin and knee problems. And uh, Josh McCown, who hadn't thrown a pass in the NFL since Clinton was president, comes in and performs extremely well, uh, well enough that the Bears couldn't afford to keep him because he played so well that other teams wanted him to start for them 
this year. He's down in Tampa, going to be the starting quarterback at least for this year uh, for Lovey uh, and the Buccaneers. You know, I mean, that's what's most remarkable, and I think is it gives huge kudos to Mark Trestman and his ability to to coach quarterbacks or the adaptability of the system that he has because two two guys coming in learning the the system for the first time this year were able to uh you know take off the way that they were and then obviously our offensive line that Emery had a huge focus on uh last season in free agency and in the draft led the um led the way and only allowed 30 sacks as opposed to 45 that was allowed in 2012. So remarkable progress that we had on the offensive side of the ball, night and almost literally night and day from 2012 to 2013 in levels of consistency. I mean, we even made it into the top 10 in the league on third down conversions, over 40, 42%, 43% on third downs for that unit last year. So... That's the tale of the tape there. The, the changes that we've made on the offensive side of the football are minuscule, minor. Um, on its face, the offense is exactly the same. All five guys on the offensive line, they are back. Our tight end, Martellus Bennett, boom, he's back. Our top two wide receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, they're back. Matt Forte, our starting running back, obviously he's back. And uh, even when we have a fullback on the field, it's going to be the same guy, Tony Fiametta, they're back. The minor changes that we have on the offensive side of the ball, who are three and four wide receivers are going to be? Because Earl Bennett, he's gone. Um, so we signed Dominic Hickson away from the uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, he was also – he made his name, in my opinion, as a – as a return specialist, uh, you know, backup receiver with the New York Giants, but uh, he was in Carolina in 2013. Uh, ended up uh, blowing out his knee, unfortunately, in OTAs, so he's actually he's gone now. Uh, lots of candidates for this number three, number four wide receiver position, uh, the one that the Bears seem to be, um, and maybe not so much uh, management. I know they're pu- pulling for him, but maybe the players themselves – Brandon Marshall, Jay Cutler, and, and such. Uh, Marquise Wilson, our, our seventh-round draft choice last year, who was only a seventh-round draft choice because of character issues. This is a kid at the Washington State University. Didn't like the way things were going with head coach Mike Leach, and that guy has a horrible reputation for how he treats his players, just in Marquise's defense there. But ended up you know, like leaving, quitting the team because he couldn't handle the, uh, the treatment. Uh, anymore and, and his draft stock plummeted this was a guy that had you know some say you know first second round talent but went went all the way in the seventh round because of that the Bears took a flyer on him with their last pick in the draft uh, last year in 2013 and didn't get on the field much but when he did he did make some contributions and uh, this offseason when uh, you know from 2012 to 2013 uh, Alshon Jeffrey spent the majority of the offseason training and being mentored by Brandon Marshall down in Florida and everything. This year, everybody went down there. Jay Cutler, Martellus Bennett, Marquise Wilson went down there. So they're all down there doing that training together as a team. I mean, I've, I saw selfies on, on Twitter where it's like half the team is down there. 
You know, it's like, oh, there's Jordan Mills, there's Jermon Bushrod, there's Kyle Long. Like, what are those guys doing down there? But, hey, they're down there. You know, hey, there's Tim Jennings getting some work in, you know, covering these receivers and, and everything. It's uh, It was really cool to see the um, the camaraderie between the guys and how the guys were staying connected in the offseason, which isn't always the case when it comes to the NFL. Usually when the, when the gun sounds on the season, these guys scatter like roaches into their different areas uh, of the country and, you know, going back home and, and uh, things like that. Uh, these guys were training together a lot in the offseason, and Marquise Wilson uh, training with Jeffrey and Marshall and Cutler and Bennett and all those guys, uh, you know, getting that chemistry and that uh, that timing down with each other. You know, as far as the locker room is concerned, it seems to be that's who they're pulling for to be that number three. There's also other options. Uh, the Bears uh, picked up Josh Morgan, a wide receiver from the uh, Washington Redskins, off of the waiver wire from Washington uh, as well. So, I mean, there's plenty of uh, candidates for that uh, for that wide receiver uh, position to, to be there when the, when they go into the multiple sets, uh, you know, three and four wide receiver. Eric Weems is still on the team. Earl Bennett is is gone uh, as well, so he's out of there. Uh, he's in Cleveland. I want to say he's in Cleveland, unfortunately, uh, for him. I mean, I, th- I hope they're turning things around in Cleveland, but that's where Earl Bennett landed. Uh, so, I mean, his chances to play might have gone up with all the stuff that's going on with Josh Morgan up there and uh, Gordon, Josh Gordon in uh, in Cleveland and the idiot that that guy is. But nonetheless, like I said, on, on the surface, the offense is exactly the same. Uh, it's year two in the same system, which is a very good thing uh, for an offense, especially for a quarterback. Uh, not having to learn new terminology and and so on and so forth, um, you know, not having to learn new people uh, aside from number three, number four, you know, wide receiver uh, options that he's he's got there. So for the most part, everything's going to look the same when he steps out on the field uh, week one against the Buffalo Bills, and there's a, a huge comfort level in that. You'd have to think so. Now. On to the burning questions for the offense, and there are three of them. Number one, can Jay Cutler stay healthy for 16 games? Now, last year, despite the fact that he couldn't, the offense thrived without him. And I think, like I said before, that's a huge uh, you know, feather in the cap for Mark Tressman that he was able to have the offense not skip a beat and some would argue play better than it did when Jay Cutler was on the field. You know, Josh McCown came out, and obviously that, you know, he came in the Redskin game. That's the one where Cutler got hurt for the first time. He comes in, and we had, I think, 14 points on the board, and we scored 45 in that 40, 41. It was like 45 to 41 being the, the final score. We, we scored four times on offense without our starting quarterback. So it's uh, – you know, in a game that the quarterback got hurt in, so a game that the the backup quarterback wasn't anticipating on playing in, he goes out and has an unbelievable day, and then consistently does it over and over again until the starter comes back. And Jay Cutler hasn't played a full 16 game season since his first season in Chicago in 2009, because in 2010 he only missed maybe one game, two. It was at least one, 
I think it was after that that giant game where he got sacked ten times. He got knocked out with a concussion. He missed the following game the week after against Carolina. Uh, I think he only missed that one game that year. But in 2011, he missed the last five games of that broken thumb. Uh, you know, 2012, you know, missed some games uh, as well. And then, you know, 2013 being what it was, missing, you know, five or so games throughout the, the course of the uh, throughout the course of the season. So this is what it's been, you know, for the for the Bears and, you know, having to play a game or two without Cutler or in some cases a, a chunk of the season without the starting quarterback. He signed the deal. The Bears have shown their faith. Seven years, $126 million, even though on this on the surface that's what it is. A lot of people are just saying, well, it's a three-year deal for $54 million because that's the amount of guaranteed money he uh, he got in that contract. And uh, But nonetheless, at least for the next three years, Jay Cutler's going to be our quarterback, or at least we're committed to Jay Cutler as our quarterback. And he's got – and as far as the regular season is concerned, he's got 48 games between now and then. How many of those games will he play in? And those games that he misses, you know, <laughs> let's hope that it's eh, it's week 17. We're number two seed. We can't go any worse. Jay gets the day off against the Vikings kind of thing. Instead of, oh, Jay, you know, strained a hamstring, pulled a groin, sprained a knee, hurt his shoulder. He's out for a couple of weeks. We don't want to have... Uh, any more of those I mean we've we've got some interesting choices at backup quarterback this year uh, Jordan Palmer who was a holdover from last season did not have the best offseason because the Bears went out and drafted a quarterback David Fales in the sixth round from San Jose State and they also signed Jimmy Clausen uh, after OTAs and you know looking online at the Chicago Bear uh, blog on ESPN you know, like that ESPN, uh, you know, insider, you know, page, if you will, saying that, uh, you know, Jimmy Clausen is probably going to be the number two quarterback, or at least that's one of their bold predictions, is that Clausen will take the number two job from Jordan Palmer. So interesting who our quarterback might be, God forbid, if, if Jay uh, can't finish the, uh, can't put in a full 16 for us. But I think in order to be successful as a team, Maybe not so much as a unit, but definitely as a team, our quarterback, our starting quarterback needs to play and start in all 16 games uh, this year. And like I said, something he hasn't done since 2009. Even if it's only for a game or two, he hasn't played a full 16 games since his first year in Chicago in 2009, which is funny because I think that was the worst offensive line that we've ever had as far as him. I think he got sacked something like 50-something times that first year. Uh, in Chicago it was pretty bad but um, all right so question number two speaking of the offensive line can they keep the same level of consistency that they had in 2013 and I mean this on a couple of different levels number one can we be as good as we were only uh, you know only 30 sacks as compared to 44 45 the year before in 2012 our uh, running game went up. We were still in the, the teens as far as yards per game, but our running back ran for over 1,300 yards uh, and such. And, you know, we also need to amp it up on short yardage and, and goal line. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, and the other consistent part, all five guys started all 16 games. Now, I know Jordan Mills went out early in that Green Bay game, but 
all five guys started all 16 games last year, which is extremely difficult to do. So I would say the probability of that happening, just being on a realistic standpoint, probably pretty low as far as can we anticipate all five guys making it from Buffalo in week one to Minnesota in week 17, having played every one of those games. Chances are probably not, but we do have Eben Britton, who played very, very well last year uh, in a, in that uh, extra lineman role, and he played very, very well against Green Bay in the season finale when uh, when Jordan Mills went out early in the game, I think early in the first quarter, actually, uh, was when, when Mills went down, and uh, we also have some, some choices at guard and even center. We signed Brian De La Puente from the uh, uh, Saints, who is uh, either going to be competing with Garza for the center job or that's going to be our center next year because Garza's 35 this year, the oldest guy on the team. Uh, so we'll have to, uh, to wait and see how that all shakes out. But the Bears have good depth on the offensive side uh, with the O-line. Uh, the question is, will we need to use it at any point during this season or will we get the same health consistency that we had from that O-line? last year so big question because that was a huge part of our success Jay Cutler wasn't on his back he wasn't getting beat up as much as he was in previous years and that's why our offense was able to thrive even when we had our backup quarterback and Josh McCown out there we were able to keep him upright so he was able to make throws and find Jeffrey and Marshall and Bennett and so on out of the backfield yes uh, last year so the offensive line, a huge part of the success in 2013. Can they keep that up going into 2014? And then finally, we were talking about this a minute ago, will stars continue to emerge from this unit? You know, last year, the huge star to emerge from the offense, obviously Alshon Jeffrey, he was the one grabbing headlines. The other, you know, big stars, Kyle Long, Jordan Mills, our two rookies, our first-round pick, our fifth-round pick, uh, you know, Kyle Long, even though everyone likes to remind us it was in a quote-unquote reserve role, but Kyle Long made the Pro Bowl uh, last year as a rookie and, uh, you know, even carried Cam Newton like a football into the end zone to score a touchdown in the Pro Bowl. That was pretty cool. Uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey made the Pro Bowl last year. Brandon Marshall obviously made the Pro Bowl last year. Will we see a guy like Marquise Wilson, you know, come from out of nowhere and and be a star for us, you know, as our number three receiver. Will it be Josh Morgan uh, from the Washington Redskins? Will he do that, or will the Bears find somebody else? Uh, and you know, they've got a couple other receivers on the on the roster as well, and um, you know, to bring some extra guys in, uh, you know, for bodies in in training camp. Will one of those guys become the uh, become the guy that uh, is the the new hot name uh, for the Bears uh, this year? Uh, in at the uh, you know the wide receiver uh, position you know will we be able to to get one of those guys to uh, you know be the new star on, on the offensive uh, side of the football so will it be uh, you know Josh Morgan or, or or you know can it be somebody else we'll have to uh, to wait and see uh, how that all uh, turns out will it be our our fourth round pick and uh, the running back um, Kadeem Carey will he win the number two job. Uh, and behind uh, Matt Forte, will it be Michael Ford, who was a star in the preseason last year? And then obviously, because of the health and production of Matt Forte, didn't get to see the field much uh, last year. Um, you know, will it be 
Michael Ford or Kadeem Carey who wins the number two job? Will it be Sean Drone, somebody that the Bears signed in the in the offseason to win the number two job and, and so on? It's uh, going to be fun to see who these backup guys uh, are going to be and will they be able to emerge as the stars uh, of the offense in 2014? So those are the big burning questions. Can Jay Cutler stay healthy for 16 games? Can the offensive line keep up the same level of consistency in their level of play and the level of health that they were able to produce last year? And will this offensive unit continue to produce stars the way that it did in 2013? So those are the burning questions for the unit, questions that obviously we'll be paying big attention to uh, throughout the course of the season. So that's the offense in the books. Let's move over to the unit with way more than three questions, and that would be the Chicago Bear defense. In 2012, our off, or excuse me, our defense was uh, playing on a historic level with the the amount of defensive touchdowns that it was racking up. I mean, we were you know having those games where the like the Bears scored uh, 35 points, yeah, but you know 14 of them were on defense because we ran two picks back for a touchdown, or we we had a sack fumble that went for a touchdown, and and so on. To in 2013. From time to time, we showed flashes of our old self, uh, you know, uh, a pick six in the first couple of games uh, against the Vikings and the um, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we even had a uh, a um, Julius Peppers run a fumble in for a touchdown uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But pretty much after those first three games, our ability for pick six and stuff like that waned immensely over the rest of the course of the season, those final 13 games we still managed to score a couple of defensive touchdowns but nothing on even close to what we were doing in 2012 where it seemed to be an everyday thing um and not to mention the fact that uh here's here's how bad the defense was last year on offense as we've said a million times so far they were historic in the fact that in this 90 year old franchise we were setting records for points in a game, yards in a season, you know, and so on, where the Bears averaged 27.8 points a game. So nearly 28 points a game on offense, second only to the Denver Broncos, who scored the most points in a season ever. Our defense gave up more than that. So even though we scored the second most, second most points in the league on offense, last year we gave up i think the second most points on defense we averaged 29.9 points a game on defense that's how many points we gave up now you know there were a few ugly games in there the redskin game where we gave up 45 points we scored 41 and lost that's never supposed to happen by the way you know you you never score 41 points and lose a football game that's just ridiculous and then of course the uh the nothing is going to go our way no matter what game against the philadelphia eagles in week 16 that we lost 54 to 11 i'm sure that had a big uh that played a big part in inflating the uh the numbers there but the numbers don't lie 
we still gave up more points than we scored last season and we had the second most points in the league in 2013 that's unbelievable to me but um so what did the bears do well phil emery in particular our general manager the guy in charge of uh adding and subtracting to the league um made quite a few moves actually he uh re-signed tim jennings uh right off the bat the, the season ended on december 30th or something like that january 2nd tim jennings signed a four-year contract to stay with us uh he also signed defensive end austin lane that's a name you should get used to because uh when i'm looking at projected 53-man rosters his name as a defensive end is uh is in there and you know there were a total of 46 off-season signings for the bears 25 of them were on defense not including the uh five of our, our seven draft choices five of them were defensive players and yes i am including our punter because pat o'donnell the punter is technically a defensive player uh so five out of our seven draft choices in 2014 were defensive players to go along with the 25 new faces uh the 25 players that the that phil emery signed on the defensive side of the ball uh, nine of them were brand new. Sixteen were re-signed players. Gone are guys like Julius Peppers, Henry Melton, uh, Major Wright, Corey Wooten, uh, and James Anderson, uh, all of which had significant starting or playing time uh, last year uh, on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball, whether it be the injury and and uh, and so on. It um, it was uh, you know saying goodbye to a lot of new a lot of people a lot of faces that we've come to to know and uh you know grow fond of uh, not to mention you know guys like michael bush and and uh you know more importantly uh, devin hester uh earl bennett uh not being on the team uh anymore but on the defensive side of the ball is going to be a huge overhaul um a lot of new faces it, it's kind of going to be it's going to be the defense uh, the offensive line all over again where I think Stephen Paya is going to be the only returning starter. I mean, you can technically say that, you know, Jay Ratliff is a returning starter, but he was only around for the last half dozen games of the season, if that, uh, last year. Uh, he'll, he'll be fully healthy and ready to go, uh, even though he's 33 years old. And this is a running theme because it's one of the burning questions I'm going to get to uh, in just a minute. But, um, you know, we signed Jared Allen away from the Minnesota Vikings. We got Lamar Houston on the opening day of free agency from the from the Oakland Raiders. We signed Willie Young, uh, defensive end, away from the Detroit Lions. Uh, we went out and drafted two defensive tackles with our second and third round pick, Ego Ferguson and Will Sutton, um, who are kind of projects with big upsides, talking to draft experts uh, and such. The Bears drafted them pretty much where they should have, but these guys are if only the Bears had been able to draft Aaron Donald in the first round, if not for the stinking Rams, then, you know, who knows what this draft could have turned out to be uh, and what we would have gotten in the second round and so on. Uh, Kyle Fuller, our first-round draft choice, will uh, contribute immediately. I think right now he's going to be our starting nickelback. we got got plenty of competition uh, in the defensive backfield uh, with guys like Kelvin Hayden, Coming back, Isaiah Fry, who was pretty much our nickelback for all of last year. You know, Tillman and, and Jennings going to be our starting corners. And then I've been hearing interesting things from OTAs 
like on on nickel situations that Kyle Fuller will actually be the other corner and it's Tim Jennings that slides into the into the slot to play on the inside uh, as opposed to staying outside and Kyle Fuller is the uh, the nickel guy so take that for what you will but it opens up some possibilities uh, there the one thing that we did not address and I've talked about this before was actually going out and getting a safety which is the one thing that I wanted the Bears to do. I didn't want to draft another one. I wanted the Bears to go out and sign one. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew Jarius Bird would probably be a little too expensive for our blood, but the guy that I wanted even more so than Jarius Bird was T.J. Ward from the Cleveland Browns because, number one, in the game that he played against us, he was absolutely everywhere, and he was like that throughout the entire season last year and I was especially disappointed not only to hear that TJ Ward signed with the Broncos but that when he signed with them he only signed for like four or five million dollars a season it's like that's that sounds like the you know because Jarius Bird signed for like nine million dollars a year with the Saints I knew that that was going to be too much for the Bears but to, to get TJ Ward for four and a half five million a season I thought that was that was right up our alley as far as the far the kind of price tag we were looking. And one of the young up-and-coming safeties in the league, he's an established player and not somebody that we're taking a chance on. You know, can he adjust to the pro game the way that we need him to? Those questions were not there with, uh, with T.J. Ward uh, at all, not in my opinion anyway. But instead, uh, we, we, we decided to do this uh, safety by committee thing or at least that's the way that uh, Phil Emery was stacking bodies uh, back there I mean first it's um, you know the first thing that he did he signed Ryan Mundy on a two-year contract to get him away from the uh, the New York Giants he goes out and he signed re-signs uh, Craig Stelts brings in Danny McRae on a one-year deal from the uh, Dallas Cowboys let's see what else did we do duh, 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 duh. I mean obviously fourth round pick Brock Vereen uh, you know, even traded away our, our fifth round choice uh, for next year to move back into the fourth round to get Brock Vereen. Then uh, let's see any other safety moves aside from the obvious one. Yeah. Then finally at the after OTAs uh, close up and uh, they're all uh, ship shape and, and moved away. Adrian Wilson, uh, the uh, longtime Arizona Cardinal uh, signed a uh, deal with the Patriots last year, actually blew out his Achilles in the uh, preseason finale uh, last year, missed all of 2013. The Bears took a veteran minimum flyer on a one-year deal with Adrian Wilson to bring him in to see if he can add something uh, to our defensive backfield. And the upside there is if Adrian Wilson is healthy, if Adrian Wilson still has the the explosion and the burst and, and such that's necessary for his position, we got him for nothing. I mean, I think the deal was only like $800,000. I mean, that is absolute chicken feed uh, when it comes to the NFL, and it's a low-risk, high-reward type situation with Adrian Wilson. And if it doesn't work out and we end up cutting him a training camp, eh, whatever. You know, it was <laughs> – low risk it's not like we signed the guy to a five-year 45 million dollar deal and we don't keep him after training camp uh, or anything like that it's a low risk high reward thing if if he if he sticks and if he plays and makes the team this could be huge for the bears on so many levels 
because um, not only can he be producing for us on the field, he could be grooming guys like Brock Vereen uh, and such to um, emerge in the coming years just from his play and uh, you know leadership abilities uh, in the defensive backfield because that's also something else that the defense um, could really use because as much as uh, Peanut and Tim Jennings are, you know, uh, stalwarts and 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 mainstays of that defensive backfield for us personally i've never really heard anything about them being the leaders back there so having a guy like adrian wilson i and you know he has a reputation for for being a leader you know can he be the guy to to be the leader of this defensive uh backfield or be the, the 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 you know the guy that's front and center uh with that kind of thing uh, other thing I've you know heard wonderful things about Brock Vereen and what he's been able to do. He's picking up the defense and uh, you know kept a level of mistakes in in the OTAs to a to a minimum uh, and such. Uh, you know Ryan Mundy is there. The one move the Bears didn't make that everyone wanted them to was Chris Connie is still on the team. Now he had an abysmal 2013, capped off by the blown coverage that cost us the season last year. Uh, you know, and he was actually having a decent game that, that day, which is what everybody forgets. Uh, in, in his defense, he, wasn't, he actually was playing well. He picked off Aaron Rodgers in the end zone, uh, made some you know, tackles and so on. But <laughs> it's that one play, the one play that mattered, and Chris Conti blew it. He missed the audible sign from lance briggs was playing zone when everybody else was playing man and got smoked by randall cobb for the for the touchdown that ended our season basically thank you very much chris conti but um he's still on the team although he starts the year on the pup list which can't bode well uh for him he had off-season shoulder surgery and uh is starting this, the preseason on the physically unable to perform list. Now, I was just reading some stuff before I started recording the show, and Phil Emery says that he thinks that um, Conti will be back in time for the second preseason game, so he's not going to start the season on the pup list, but he is uh, not ready to go just yet uh, with the uh, shoulder uh, rehabilitation. So. A lot of moves on the defensive side. Like I said, nine brand new faces, and I think most of them will be starting, to be quite honest with you. We'll have to uh, to wait and see how it turns out. I mean, we're, we're definitely going to have, I would say, at least at least two, if not three, brand new starters on the defensive line this year. You know, Allen and Houston, those are going to be our starting defensive ends with Willie Young coming off the bench to spell them. Maybe a guy like Trevor Scott or Austin Lane uh, being the uh, fourth uh, defensive end to uh, to rotate in from time to time. Then you got Jay Ratliff and Steven Paya, most likely our starting defensive tackles with uh, Ego Ferguson, Will Sutton. And you also can't forget that we re-signed um, Nate Collins to come back. Nate Collins, who we missed the majority of the season with, also had a torn ACL, same as Henry Melton last year. He's back uh, as well. So Nate Collins to go with the two rookies, uh, Stephen Paya and uh, Jay Ratliff on the defensive uh, on the defensive line. Then in our our linebacking core, some big questions there because going into camp, there's only one starter 
penciled in for sure, and that's Lance Briggs. Middle linebacker is up for grabs. It's a competition between John Bostick, our second-round pick from last year, and DJ Williams, who was a Bear last year but missed the majority of the season when he went down with a torn pectoral muscle in week six against the, the Giants. And, I, and I've read uh, a few times now that the Bears were actually only 12th in the league in rushing defense when G.J. Williams went down, and then a couple of weeks later we were the worst in football. So it uh, didn't take long after we lost him for the defense to go south as far as the run game was concerned because the passing game we actually weren't bad. We were, I think, like 14 or 15 against the pass uh, last year. But it's, you know, John Bostic is, uh, you know, trying to get back at middle linebacker um, with DJ Williams most likely being the front runner there. And then on the strong side uh, of the linebacking core, John Bostic is probably the front runner to start there. And also our former defensive end slash first round pick in 2012, Shea McClellan, moving to the outside linebacker uh, position, uh, which he was probably better suited for, more so probably in a 3-4 than a 4-3 defensive end uh, spot, um, trying to shake the bust label that he's been slapped with uh, so far. This is a guy in two seasons with the Bears, has six sacks, and he had three of them against Green Bay last year when he hurt Aaron Rodgers. So not a whole lot of production out of a first-round pick when there are guys – that we could have had, like Chandler Jones and such, who's got 18 sacks in two seasons with the Patriots, and our guys got six and a half in two seasons with us. So uh, not good. But going to see if um, if McClellan can make the transition from defensive end to uh, linebacker and if that transition uh, can pay off for the Bears and uh, finding a, uh, a linebacking core to solidify that position. Then – on, in the backfield, Tim Jennings and uh, Peanut Tillman, who we, we did re-sign uh, to a one-year deal, he's back. But then the safeties, that's up in the air. Could any be, you know, Ryan Mundy and Brock Vereen? It could be Chris Conti and Adrian Wilson, uh, you know, Craig Stelts and, and Danny McRae. I mean, it, it's um, – tell you what, though. The two guys that do win the jobs should be able to play with some kind of – puffed out chest or a chip on their shoulder because they would have earned it you know this year with all the bodies competing for positions at the safety spots there whoever does win the job will have earned it they will have had to fight for it because no one is penciled in at those positions right now I mean there's a depth chart and only because there has to be they just okay first defense second defense so on and so forth but whether they're first on the depth chart or third on the depth chart, they have just as good a chance to be the starter on opening day as anyone else fighting for a spot on the team right now. So with all that being said, it's moving on to the burning questions for the defensive side. And like I said, there's more than three, but I narrowed it down to three. And number one, can Emery's overhaul be as successful as it was on the offensive side and can it be as successful as quickly as it was on the offensive side? Because it was almost literally a overnight thing for our offense. Because we were a joke and a laughing stock in 2012 to being a standard for other teams after 2013. 
with our wide receivers who I saw on more than one occasion in more than one place. You know, I saw it on NFL Network. I saw it on, you know, NFL Live on ESPN. I even saw it a couple of times on uh, the CBS Sports Network, that NFL show that they have every day. Who's the best wide receiving tandem in the NFL? It's Marshall and Jeffrey in Chicago. I mean, and they're like, it's not even close. You know, someone want to say maybe it's, uh, you know, Roddy White and Julio Jones and in Atlanta or, you know, or something. No, it's Chicago all the way. Those guys top notch. You can't. Uh, can you imagine, you know, if I had told you this three years ago that we'd have the number one wide receiving tandem in football, not in our division, in football, you probably would have thought I was nuts. Like, well, that's just something that's not what the Bears do. Well, we do now. And. Uh, that's just the credit to to Phil Emery and what he was able to do when he focused on what needed fixing. And that's the other thing that he's done so well. And I think that's why fans such as myself and many others really appreciate Emery the way that we do is that it almost sounds it almost feels like Emery is listening to us when we say, you know, this is what needs fixing. We need to fix this. We need to replace this. We need to upgrade here. That's what we were screaming about the wide receiving core and the offensive line when he came into town. So what did he do? He went out and got Brandon Marshall. He drafted Alshon Jeffrey, drafted Kyle Long, Jordan Mills, signed Matt Slauson, Jermon Bushrod. Now we've got a top five NFL offense all of a sudden. So now it's time to replace the aging uh, Brian Urlacher, time to replace the aging Julius Peppers, get rid of Henry Melton, Get rid of this guy. Corey Wooten's a, not a, you know, Corey Wooten's a bust, blah, blah, blah. Bang, bang, bang. We go out and find some new bodies and, and uh, fill them in. Can they be as productive for us as quickly as they were on the offensive side of the ball as they, you know, as we need them to be on the defensive uh, side? Question number two. Will age and depth still be a factor? Uh, it's it's what I'm reading a lot in the NFL magazines that I've looked at. The ones that I purchased are, yeah, Jared Allen's probably going to be an upgrade from Julius Peppers. He is younger. He is, you know, a healthier uh, player because even though Peppers played in every game, he was not playing at 100% in most of them. Uh, you know, and, and it's definitely, and you know, Willie Young and – uh, Lamar Houston are huge upgrades from Shea McClellan and Corey Wooten on on the other side of the ball. These are established uh, defensive ends with you know reputations to passing the uh, rushing the passer uh, and such. Jay Ratliff is definitely an upgrade from Landon Cohen and whoever the hell else we pulled off the street last year when Henry Milton and Nate Collins got hurt. Um, you know, Ego Ferguson, Will Sutton add some bodies there but they're inexperienced bodies you know same thing with the with the safety position yeah we signed we got like nine ten guys competing for three or four safety spots but are any of them worth a damn you know same thing with uh with Depp at, at corner if Jennings or uh Peanut go down is the depth that we have there quality enough so that the 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 the, the curve going from from one from first team to second team, will it be a steep curve, uh, you know, a steep drop in talent from one level to the next? Will depth be able to carry us through if, as teams usually do, we have to endure uh, some injuries this year? And also the fact that, um, you know, we have 10 players on defense 
30 years of age or older, and seven of them, seven of them are either starters or key contributors on that side of the football. Jared Allen, Jay Ratliff, Trevor Scott, Lance Briggs, DJ Williams, Kelvin Hayden, Tim Jennings, and Charles Tillman are all 30 years old or older. And every last one of those guys, including even Kelvin Hayden and Trevor Scott, who are going to be on the bench to start the season, these are guys that the Bears signed to come in and contribute on that side of the ball. Every one of them is on the wrong side of 30 right now. So we didn't think it was going to be a factor going into the season last year because, hell, everybody was over 30 in 2012, and look what we did. Well, this team got old in a hurry last year. I mean, Peanut Tillman, you know, we were holding that guy together with glue and, you know, power tools last year to try to get him through the season, and we still couldn't do it. Uh, you know, Julius Peppers, like I said, was was playing hurt a lot of the time last year. We, we lost Lance Briggs for seven games with a broken shoulder blade uh, and so on. It just, it you know, and then all the other guys going down with injuries uh, as well. It was just one thing after another. You know, will age be a problem? Will depth be a factor? So those are huge questions there. And then finally, can the young guns, our five draft choices, you know, Kyle Fuller, our cornerback, our first-round pick, Ego Ferguson in the second round, Will Sutton in the third, Brock Vereen in the fourth round, hell, even our punter, Pat O'Connell, in the sixth round, can these guys be contributors? Can they step up like last year? when we had our first and fifth round pick start every game uh, last season. You know, John Bostick wasn't as good as we needed him to be, but he was kind of thrust into action. He didn't really have a whole lot of time uh, to learn uh, last season. Can he come up, can they come up and be contributors uh, from the beginning when they when they step on the field to, uh, you know, to give uh, Jay Ratliff and Stephen Paya uh, a breather can they come in and contribute, or are they just holding a spot for them until Ratliff and Pye are ready to come back out on the field uh, again? That's going to be a huge factor for this defense uh, as well. So, like I said, I, th I think I managed to to squeeze about seven questions into the uh, the three burning questions for the defense, but those are the ones that we're going to focus on uh, going into uh, this season. You know, uh, the safety position, that's going to be a big one. Uh, who, who, are, who are two safeties back there going to be? We know who the corners are going to be, and we're pretty sure who our, uh, who our, uh, our um, nickel corner is going to be as well. Who's going to be in that linebacking core? Uh, you know, is it going to be DJ Williams and John Bostick to go with Briggs? Is McClellan going to be there with John Bostick in the middle and Briggs and so on and so forth? It's, you know, a lot of questions on the defense side of the ball this preseason is going to be very very important uh for that side of the football so well folks one last thing we want to do before we go is take one last look at the 2014 chicago bears schedule uh you know we kick things off with buffalo at home um should be a win right there then we got some tough games. We go on the road to San Francisco. They're opening that brand-new stadium. Uh, the Bears haven't won in San Francisco since Reagan was president. Um, you know, that was – and that's no joke. Reagan was president in 87, the last time the Bears won a game in San Francisco. Um, you know, where I was exaggerating before when, you know, the Bears haven't done this since Clinton was president. No, it's 
That's for real. They have not won a game in San Francisco since Ronald Reagan was president. That's the sad, pathetic truth about that, but it's true. Uh, then we go on the road. Oh, by the way, San Francisco, that's on Sunday Night Football. Then we go on the road to the Jets. Now, it might not sound like that big a deal that we're playing the Jets because they weren't a good football team and haven't been for the last couple of years. However, even though they were 8-8 eight and eight last year, they were 6-2 and two at home. And it's Monday Night Football that we're going to see the Jets. That's going to be a fun game, I think. Um, then we go out to – then we go back home. Our first game against the Green Bay Packers, and coincidentally, it's our only division game in the first half of the season because we play eight weeks before we go on the bye, and then the last eight weeks of the season we have five division games in our last eight, uh, which is going to make for a very interesting run to the end of the season. But the, our first and only divisional game in the first half of the schedule is a noon game at home against the Green Bay Packers. Then we go on the road for Carolina and the Atlanta Falcons because we play the NFC South as we've uh, gone over in our preview episodes. We come back home from Miami in our last home game of the first half of the season. Only three home games in that first eight because we, we spend five weeks on the road, and we do them back-to-back pretty much. We're home for Buffalo, back-to-back road games against San Francisco and the Jets, home for Green Bay, back-to-back on the road with Carolina and Atlanta. Then we're home for the, for the Dolphins. And then before the bye, we're at New England. And then after the bye, we're at Green Bay. So back-to-back road games after one home game for the first nine weeks of the season. Um, so after that road, that, that home, uh, that, excuse me, that, that road game against Green Bay to kick off the second half of the season, which is also on Sunday night football. Then we come home for five home games in six weeks. We go home, home from Minnesota and Tampa Bay when Lovey comes to town on November the 23rd. And as you've heard me talk about before that November the 23rd game against the Buccaneers, our last Sunday game for a month because after we play lovey and the buccaneers on sunday the 23rd thanksgiving day thursday the 27th we're playing the lions then the following thursday so we have a regular break as far as how many days between games we have a week between the the cowboys and the uh, we, we play the cowboys on thursday night football and then we don't play again for the cowboy against the you know against anyone after the Cowboy game for 11 days until we play the Saints on Monday Night Football, our last national TV appearance, six in total. We have uh, two, two Monday Night games, two Sunday Night games, Thanksgiving and Thursday Night Football. That's six national TV games um, on the schedule for us. We play the Saints on Monday Night Football in Chicago in December. I'm liking our chances there. And then we finish up with the last two division games, home against Detroit, and then on the road at the Vikings and what I'm hoping will be a meaningless road game against the Vikings. So that's the schedule, and we'll run down wins and losses uh, at the end of the preseason when we do the Picks That Stick show. And speaking of shows, that's going to do it for this one, folks. We are done with the offseason. As I said, the sun sets on the offseason. The sun rises on the 2014 season as training camp begins. We'll be back in two weeks 
two weeks to talk about the very first preseason game of 2014 when the Bears take on the Eagles. So enjoy the break. Enjoy these final days of summer because fall and football is on its way. All right, folks? So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure. 
how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 